0: Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Well, today I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God. And I would like to begin in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner or the custom of some, but exhorting one another, And so much the more, as you see the day approaching, I I think it's interesting. The Bible tells us is we see the day of the return of the Lord getting close. How many of you believe that the return of Jesus is getting close? I mean, I, I, I believe that this is the terminal generation. I believe this is the generation that will see the return of Jesus. All right. And by the way, if I'm wrong, I know this, this is our terminal generation. This is it for us. All right. No matter what, this is it for us. But it says, as you see that day approach, it says, be sure to assemble yourselves together. All right. Now I'm kind of preaching to the choir. All right. Here we are on church on Saturday night. But it says, as you see that day approaching, make sure that you do not follow the custom of some Right? who think, well, I'm, I'm just going to stay home. But it says we need to assemble ourselves together to be all God wants us to be, to fulfill our purpose, our destiny, to do all that God wants us to do. We need to assemble ourselves together. Now it's in Romans 1, 17, again, that it says that he takes us from faith to faith. Now, here's what it means. It means the faith that you start with is not enough to get you where God wants you to go. It's for you and I to fulfill God's plan, God's purpose, God's destiny for our life. Our faith cannot stay where it started. It has to grow. He wants to take us from faith to faith. Now, we're to be a part of the body. And all of us know this right? That if you just bang your little toe, you break your little toe, you're in trouble. Now it's just a little toe, right? And nobody even sees it. But if you break your little toe, it affects every part of you. Right? You 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 look like you're 90 years old trying to walk. Right? Because you just broke your little toe. Every part is important, right? It says in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 13, "For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Now, the very first thing that happens when a person becomes a Christian right, is the spirit of God takes you and takes you in the spirit and puts you inside the body of Christ. Literally the word baptized means to immerse. Right Now he does it in the spiritual realm, but we are supposed to do the same thing in the natural realm. Right? It's interesting, as you look in the book of Acts, one of the key words in the book of Acts is assembled, right? Besides, they they were assembling in the temple courts and then from house to house, Acts 2. And day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose and in their homes. They assembled. they, They had large group worship in the temple. They had small groups in houses. Same thing we should be doing today. Acts 2 verse 1, they were all assembled together in one place. Acts 4, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, and they continued to speak the word of God with freedom and boldness and courage. Acts 13, now the church assembly, At Antioch, in that assembly, there were prophets and teachers. The list begins with Barnabas. It ends with Saul. And it says, as they worshiped the Lord, ministering to the Lord and fasting. Then Acts 11, verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch for a whole year. They assembled together. I mean, all through the book of Acts, you find that they were assembling. In Hebrews, it tells us, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now, how how many of you have, I have lost my sanctification a few times on Christmas. You say, what happens? The kids get something, and this is what it says. Assembly required. (laughs) And I don't know if you know this, but I I am the most untechnical person that you know. All right? When, when we got married, Jeannie thought that I was like her dad, right? Now her dad, they were farmers, and her dad could take a tractor apart in front of you and put it back together, right? I, on the other hand, cannot change a light bulb, right? So Jeannie felt like it was her duty to fix me, right? So every birthday, every Christmas, I got tools, right? And I got how to fix it books right? And, and she she tried for a long time. I could tell you the whole story, but it would, it would take too long. All right. And, and I am just not, I just, I walk into Lowe's. I walk into Home Depot and I start to sweat. I mean, just being there bothers me. All right. I am not, so, so kids get stuff. All right. And it might just be a tricycle, but there is assembly required. All right. I'm, I tried. It didn't work. I always mess it, up, mess it up. All right. I can even read the directions and mess it up. All right. Now, let me just say something. Christianity is like getting a tricycle for Christmas. Assembly is required. It's not optional, right? When, 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 you, when you buy the box with the bike in it, if you do not assemble it, it does not work. Christianity does not work without assembly. Right? Some assembly is required. Now, if you've got the right person there and they can assemble, you can get a beautiful bike. But if I do it, all you get is parts because I do, I'm just, I just, it just does not work for me. All right? Now, in the, in the book of Acts, it's assembly. In the epistles, it's assembly, right? Ephesians 4, verse 11 says that he, Jesus, gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, listen, for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. To do the work of the ministry. Now, now, really, the kingdom of God, is, it's like a family, right? Now, when our kids were little, we did not expect much of them. Right. When they were two, we were just glad they didn't wet the bed, right? But by the time they were 12, right, Well, we expected them to do some things, right? We expected them to make their bed. We expected them to keep their room clean. We expected them to do some help around the house, right. Now, really, it's the same way with the kingdom of God, right. It says this. It says, keep yourself spiritually alive. This is Romans 12. Binding yourself to the Lord in service, Now, now some people, they've been Christians for quite a while, but in in the kingdom of God, and you you realize this is Jesus' message, right? When Jesus came, this is the first thing that he said. He said, repent, literally rethink your life, because God's kingdom is here, right? When Jesus closes his message, Acts chapter 1 says that for 40 days, he spent time with his disciples, speaking to them of things concerning the kingdom of God. So the first thing he said was kingdom. The last thing he said was kingdom. And by the way, everything Jesus said in between has to do with how to live in the kingdom, right? It's the the kingdom message, right? Now, what the kingdom is, the kingdom is the domain of the king. Everybody know the king's name? Jesus right? He is king of kings, Lord of lords. All right. So in the kingdom, the king's word is law and his will is done, right? The king's word is law. Now we're not used to that because we live in a republic. I know you think we live in a democracy. We don't. We live in a republic, right? There's, a, there's quite a bit of difference between the two, Right? But, but we're used to electing people. How I many of you know you didn't get to elect Jesus, right? In, in, the, in, in, in a kingdom where, where there's a king, there's no election, but his word is law and his will is done in the kingdom, right? Now, what's supposed to happen as you and I are in the kingdom, we are supposed to bind ourselves to the Lord in service, keeping ourselves spiritually alive right? Unfortunately, what happens is we have lots of people in the kingdom living on government handouts. Hello. That you've been in the kingdom for 25 years, all right? And you're still not doing a thing, You're still sitting back, all right? You are not contributing to the kingdom, right? Now, you may be contributing financially, or you may be contributing with your time, but God wants us to be contributing with both. In fact, the Bible tells us right here in Romans chapter 12, that unless we bind ourselves to the Lord in service, that means we do something in the kingdom. It says, you will not be spiritually alive. You'll be like the Dead Sea. You know, in, in a few months, we're going to be taking a trip to Israel. We'd love to have you come with us. We'll climb up on Mount Masada where King Herod had one of his, his castles and his complex right? And you look down and there's the Dead Sea, right? It, it is unbelievable view, right? And, and here's the thing about the Dead Sea. We, we always go swimming, but get, really you don't swim, right? Because you get in the Dead Sea and it is so full of salt and other minerals, right? That you literally, you cannot sink. You can try, but you cannot sink. And when you come out, it's like you, you, you take a bath in oil. It's just kind of like greasy, Now the reason is this, the Dead Sea has the Jordan River flowing in it, but nothing flows out. And when you have something that's constantly receiving and it's never giving, it ends up dead. It ends up dead. There are no fish. There's, There's no life at all in the Dead Sea. And spiritually, that's what happens to us when we receive and we receive and we receive, but there's no outlet. So the Bible says, keep yourself spiritually alive, binding yourself to the Lord in service. So Ephesians 4, he himself, Jesus gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, I know people think that's what you're supposed to do, Pastor. You're, you're the pastor. You're supposed to visit everybody in the hospital. You're supposed to counsel everybody. You're, you're supposed to bury everybody. You're supposed to do all this stuff. But the, actually, the verse says that my job is to train you to do the work of the ministry. I'm not. In the fact, the, the, the biggest problem the church has had for the last 1,500 years is we have thought that just a few people, professionals, are supposed to do the ministry right? But the Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher, they're supposed to teach the church to do the work of the ministry. And let me just say this, you cannot be spiritually vibrant if all you do is receive. Bind yourself to the Lord in service right? Keep yourself spiritually alive. And without it, we just do not get as spiritually alive as we should be. All right. So I I was reading a book in the last uh, few weeks and, and the author of the book mentioned that as he was growing up, he had a horse, right? And he got this horse and was riding the horse and he got to a bridge and that horse would not cross the bridge. And they tried and they tried and they tried. They never did get that horse across the bridge. So, years later, he's with a cowboy. And this, and this cowboy was like a real cowboy, not a pickup truck cowboy, but a, a horse riding cowboy. All right? How I many you know nowadays most cowboys, they've got, they got the big hat, they've got the buckle, but they ain't got no horse. Right. But this was a real cowboy and they were out riding horses. They were out in Montana and they were on an elk hunt and they were riding horses for 10 days. And they got this cowboy and he says, he says, the strangest thing, when I was growing up, I had this horse. He says, and it wouldn't cross the bridge. And he says, why wouldn't it cross the bridge? And the, and the cowboy says, nobody knows. And he says, but what do you mean nobody knows? He says, some horses will not cross a bridge and nobody knows why. And he said, well, what do you do? He says, this is what you do. He says, you get an old horse that crosses bridges and you attach that horse that won't cross the bridge to the horse that will cross the bridge. And he said, in that horse that would never cross a bridge will cross the bridge once you hook it up to a horse that crosses bridges. Now, let me just say that I'm not telling you that to talk to you about horses. Right? There are places in victory that you do not get by yourself. Right? You need somebody who's already got the victory, somebody who's already crossed the bridge of deliverance, of healing, of prosperity in their marriage. You need somebody all right, who's already done it and you need to get hooked up with them right? One of the reasons we're so excited about small groups is because that's where you can hook up. You can hook up with people. Now, now I was thinking about this message this week, and one of the things that I thought about was an illustration I had heard about draft horses. Now, draft horses, a a great draft horse can pull 8,000 pounds, right? But if you hook up two draft horses, you great ones, you'd think they could pull 16,000 pounds, but together they can pull 24,000 pounds. And if you get a trainer to work with those two in tandem, they can pull 32,000 pounds. I want you to know it's like that in the kingdom of God. right? You know, there is a center. The Bible says it like this. One will chase a thousand but two will chase 10,000. There is a synergy when we work together, when we pray together, when we worship together, there is a synergy, a spiritual synergy that takes place, right? Now, one of the things that God literally does is God has supernatural relationships. There's natural relationships and they're good, but that literally God puts us in supernatural relationships. When Jesus called and trained his disciples, that was a supernatural relationship. What Moses did with Joshua was a supernatural relationship. It says, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses laid his hands on him. You know, literally Joshua was Moses' assistant right? And he spent time with him, but the day came, he put his hands on him and a supernatural impartation took place. Elijah had Elisha, right? And, and, and it's really interesting. Elijah's about to go to heaven, right? And, and literally he is one of two people in the Bible that never die. They literally, God takes them to heaven, right? And, and as he, he knows he's going to be going to heaven, and first he says to Elisha, hey, stay here at Gilgal. He says, as the Lord lives, as my soul lives, I will not leave you. Then he did the same thing at Bethel. Then he did the same thing at Jericho, the same thing at the Jordan. He kept trying to leave him. And he says, I will not leave you. He knew he had a supernatural relationship. So when they had crossed the Jordan, he said, ask which you may, that I may do before, for you before I'm taken. And Elijah said, please, let me have a double portion of the spirit that's on you. And and when God puts together a supernatural relationship, let me just say this, there is an anointing, there is an spiritual exchange that takes place. And of course, you know the story, that's exactly what happens. Elijah goes to heaven, right? But Elisha got that double portion. Elijah's mantle fell, which was literally In Old Testament Bible times, you could tell a prophet by looking at them because of the mantle that they wore. Now, what happened was this. When Samuel was just a little boy, some of you will remember this, his mother brings him to the temple and gives him to Eli, the high priest, and said, he's going to work with you. He's going to serve the Lord here all his life. And then the Bible says every year she made him a coat. And every year she brought him a coat. And literally... What happened was when Samuel was older, he started the first Bible school. And in your Bible, it's called the sons of the prophets. It lasted for a couple hundred years, right? But what all the boys at the Bible school did, they all got coats like Samuel. They're all a bunch of lookalikes, right? And so you could literally tell a prophet by looking at him. And that mantle, that coat represented the prophet's office and the prophet's anointing. So when that mantle fell, he picked it up. He went over to the Jordan River and he folded that, the Bible says he folded that mantle and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And he struck the river and it opened. First miracle. By the way, Elijah did 16 miracles. Elisha did 32. Double portion. Double portion. But it was literally, it was a supernatural relationship. Paul had a supernatural relationship with Timothy. Timothy you know, he called him his son, but he was an example to Timothy. He said, I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I have kept the faith. Right. Now, our spiritual growth in God, the Bible tells us it goes from glory to glory or we could even say it from faith to faith because it's, it's the faith that brings you from glory to glory. And literally when we're talking about glory, it's, you become more like Jesus and more like Jesus, more like Jesus and more like Jesus, right? From glory to glory. And it says, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So we're to go from glory to glory. Now listen, Uh, We we all know Mount Everest is the the, the highest mountain in the world, almost 29,000 feet, all right? The first people to successfully reach the top in 1953 were Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Morgay, all right? They broke the barrier. Since then, over 800 people have made it to the top of the world's highest mountain, But you cannot just decide, well, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest this week because I'm in really good physical condition and I'd like to be one of those people who make it to the top. If you want to try and you are not ready, you are sure to die because the air is so thin, you'll have a lack of oxygen, right? So there's a process, right? If you want to climb Mount Everest... Right? You need to figure it's going to take you three months. Right? And here's how you start. During that time, climbers go to a low altitude and they camp there. Right? And they stay there sometimes three weeks. All right? And then they gradually make an ascent to a higher camp and gradually make an ascent to a higher camp. Now, something is happening while they're there in their blood all right, their red blood cells begin to increase because there's less oxygen, all right, and by the time they reach the final altitude camp, just that camp, not the final climb, but the camp, the last camp, the red cells in their bodies have doubled in number, right, so their blood, in their blood, their red cells have doubled, all right, so they can carry enough oxygen to keep them alive, right? Now, you say, why are you talking about climbing Mount Everest? Because literally that is what it's like going from glory to glory, right? Let me just say this. There's no spiritual shortcuts, right? And there are certain spiritual blessings at sea level, right? But there's blessings that you've got to climb. You've got to go from faith to faith. You've got to go from glory to glory because at the next camp, there's some more levels. There's some more blessings and you get to the next level and there's some more blessings and you get to the next level and God's got more blessings for you. Right now, every breakthrough in faith is a breakthrough in revelation. Every breakthrough in faith is a breakthrough in revelation. The Bible says, eye has not seen an ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But, this is the part most people forget, he has revealed them to us by his spirit, right? So what it's saying is this, it's saying the way that you go to a new revelation, all right, it's by the spirit of God. He reveals it to you. You cannot, listen, you cannot in the natural study and get what eye has not seen and ear has not heard. The only way it comes is by revelation. When Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter stood up. They said, well, some said you're Elijah and John the Baptist or Peter stood up. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And this is what Jesus said. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Nobody taught you this. And you didn't figure this out. He said, but my father in heaven, has revealed this to you. See, what, what Peter got was revelation knowledge, right? Now, now here, here's, here's what I think is so cool, right? You can hack somebody's information. You can hack, I mean, you know, you can hack a computer. You can get email servers, right? There's a credit rating service who just had 50, they got hacked, and somebody stole all the information on 15 million of their clients, right? Now you, you can hack in the natural, right? But let me just tell you something. You cannot hack into God's kingdom. The only way it comes is by revelation. That's the only way it comes, all right? It's through revelation knowledge. So God's system is hack-proof, right? It cannot be hacked but it comes by revelation, right? So, so I want to close with this. Ephesians chapter one, right? and the apostle Paul is praying. Now, uh, I remember years ago, we, we are, Jeannie and I were, we were out living in an Indian village. And uh, I, I, was, I, I literally preached 365 days a year right when we were living there every day every night there was a in our home church they had a a service 365 days a year so if we were home I preached in the home church right and and this was this was hilarious you know because all I needed the the pastor never asked me once to preach not one time all right but every time I was there he'd just get up and say now Dwayne's going to preach so I learned to be instant in season out of season all right. And when we would travel out, then I'd preach three, four, or five times a day. All right. so, so I'm doing all this preaching, and Jeannie starts to pray for me. All right. She'd been praying for God to change me and trying to change me, but, but then she says, You know what I'm going to do? She didn't tell me this. She says, I'm just going to pray what the Bible says. All right. So she started to pray Ephesians chapter 1. Right. There's this prayer in verse 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Right? See, it, you, you cannot hack into God's system, but God can give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. All right? So it says that the, the, the knowledge of Him, the eyes, of your heart or your understanding being enlightened. In other words, God's saying your spirit, your eyes are going to open up and you're going to begin to see things that you may know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand, far above principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now she began to pray that for me every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. day. And after about three months, I came to Jeannie and I said, Jeannie, I do not know what's happening. I said, but I'm getting so much revelation. I don't even know what I used to preach about. I said, but every time I'm opening my Bible, I said, the thing just comes alive. And she's gonna kind of went, oh, that's nice. She told me later. All right. Kenneth Hagin said this. He said, if you want your life to be different, how many of you would like something different? He said, Pray Ephesians chapter one. That prayer. Pray it every day every day, at least once a day, and if you can, more than once a day. He said, and when God gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, it will change your life because you will go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? Our culture believes that good people go to heaven. But the Bible teaches that forgiven people go to heaven. That everyone is welcome in heaven. No one is excluded. Everyone gets in the same way. And that every single person can meet the requirements. Now, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying all of the efforts that I would try to get right with God would not work. And all of the efforts that you would try to get right with God, they wouldn't work. There's only one way. And Jesus said, that is through him. And then he said, he said, you must be born again. He's talking about how to get to heaven. He says, you have to be born again. He said, what does that mean? That means you need to give Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. With God, it's an all or nothing deal. So we can think, well, I know about Jesus. I know about God. All of us do. We all know about Easter. We all know about Christmas. We all know about God. Listen, salvation is not about your head. It's about your heart. And Jesus said you need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. And he is not a thief to steal it or a manipulator to trick you into giving it. If you have not given him all of your heart and all of your life, you still have it and you need to give it to him today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So if you're here today and you're away from God or you're not right with God, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And when I say three, I want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray and God is going to meet you right here in this place we say amen, you're going to be forgiven right with God a part of his kingdom on your way to heaven as you lift your hand, the first thing you're saying is God, I know I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness and I'm coming to Jesus today to be forgiven and to be saved one as you lift your hand, you're saying today I'm coming and I'm going to give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life I'm going to live for him you lift your hand. You're saying today, Jesus is going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. My past is going to be gone. He's going to make me a new person on the inside, a part of your family on the way to heaven. Three, lift your hand up. Pray with me. Saying, pray with me. I'm not right. Thank you. God bless you. Someone else. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Include me, Pastor. All right. Would everybody please stand and let's pray with those that just lifted their hands. I'm going to have everybody put one hand over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven. Let's pray this together. Make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. He is my king. I will live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer, that I am forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your kingdom, a part of your family, on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.